Today, I'm incredibly excited to be speaking with interior designer extraordinaire, Ashley Whitaker. Ashley's hallmark is a distinctively classic style with chic sophistication. Described as the neo-traditionalist, Ashley's projects reveal a fresh and modern perspective on traditional design and architecture. Listed on Elle Decor's A-list of top designers, Ashley's work has been published in the New York Times, Architectural Digest, Veranda, Southern Living, Coastal Living, Domino, and most notably on the cover of House Beautiful on six separate occasions. A Florida native, Ashley credits her training in the design industry to legendary decorator Markham Roberts, for whom she worked before starting out on her own in 2006. Recently, Ashley announced that she's retiring from interior design to pursue a career in residential real estate. In this episode, Ashley and I will explore how she got started, her rise in the interior design business, and her decision, when at the peak of her career, to pursue another professional path. And now, one of my favorite people, Ashley Whitaker. Ashley. Hi. I'm so happy to see you. This is exciting. We have to come to New York City to see each other, Leslie. I know. We are neighbors um, <laughs> in Millbrook, New York. And we were just were actually just sharing commuter stories. How did we get down here? Um, Ashley's cracked the code on on a train, a train route that I need to look into. Um, I usually drive and park, but, yeah. um, but I, I, might call, take... I, I call it the Orient Express. Yes. It's the Amtrak first class from Poughkeepsie <laughs> to Moynihan Train Hall. I um, just close your eyes and pretend you're on the Orient Express. I, I it goes by that. very quickly. I love that. And you mentioned that there's Wi-Fi. There's which Wi-Fi, is, which is a novelty, really. Yes, both. On the trains that come from our area, and even just in our area itself, we, we have exactly. very little cell service and very little <laughs> Good internet. Point. Um, Big luxury. But I'm very excited to have you here, and um, you have such an incredible fan base of people that admire your work and you. But I, you know, I think people know the Ashley Whitaker of today and all your incredible design work and all the projects that you've done in your book. But they may not know the origin of Ashley Whitaker Spence, um, Spence being your married name, and how you kind of came to the career of interior design and all the wonderful things that it brought you professionally and personally. So let's, let's take it from the top. Let's, let's go back to the origin of you. The origin of me is I am, I am a native Floridian. And it's actually, I always tell this story, and interestingly now, it's kind of coming full circle, so you'll see as we continue our conversation. But my mother was a real estate agent in Florida and has been for 44 years. So when I was growing up, I was dragged around to every open house following soccer practice. Mom would say, oh, we're just going to go see this one on Ocean Drive really quickly. You can sit in the car. You can come in. And of course... I loved houses. I wanted to see the house. And my mother still laughs to this day at 10-year-old me walking into an apartment or a house and saying, you know, if they just put French doors in the dining room, I feel like there'd be so much more light <laughs> I was streaming say, you, across the apartment. you find yourself moving furniture around course, knowing you? Yeah. Of course. My whole life. That's what I really did in my mind. And, you know, they always say it's a blessing and a curse. Um But I was just always thinking about spaces, always thinking about houses. And I think I was just educated from a very young age with my mother's selling real estate and having the ability 
to go around with her and see an open house. And I don't think you're really allowed to bring children, but it was, you know, it was the seventies and the eighties. So there were really no rules back then. And you're um, probably sitting in a hot car with the windows up with no air <laughs> exactly. conditioning on. <laughs> that was the alternative. So the house seemed like a much better idea. <laughs> so you, so you go, you know, you're, you're in Florida for high school. Yes. And then you go off to upstate New York. To I went to St. Lawrence University, St. Lawrence University college. Um, and I got there from Florida and I always laughed because no one ever said, Oh, nice to meet you. You know, um, that's so fun. You're from Florida. They all said, what are you doing here? Like I was <laughs> insane. And I think I was a little bit insane. And, um, one thing I look back on now and it didn't occur to me until I was about halfway through my book tour, I was doing interviews like this and just talking about my life and my experience in college. And I said, you know, I wallpapered my room senior year. I staple gunned Laura Ashley wallpaper <laughs> to my height, my college room and in some dumpy off campus house. And I didn't even think about it. It wasn't even on my radar. It's like, oh, this is a big moment in my, you know, lifelong career as a decorator. It just seemed like a normal thing to do. In hindsight, it's really not normal at all. That is not normal that at all. Not normal now, at all. Now there's the peel and stick, but that even I feel is like, you know, for kids that are really, really kind of have a sense of, of design themselves. So the tapestry was not in your wheelhouse. No, back tapestry then. was very freshman year. By senior year, I had moved on, elevated myself. I must have bought some Laura Ashley wallpaper at some sale. Like why? I don't know. Amazing. Did you do one wall or all no, I four did walls? All four walls. All wow. four walls vowed to never. I think that kind of um, scratched my decorating itch for a pretty long time. I was like, I feel good. I feel like I've done it and I can um, get this out of my system for a little while. So it was you, that traumatic yeah. put it that way. Well, I'm sure that the landlord, I don't know how you, <laughs> I don't know if staple gun was part of the, <laughs> exactly. the security deposit, you know, uh, clearance, but I'm sure we weren't getting that back anyway. Yeah, that's true. There probably were other, other issues besides the wallpaper for your, your senior year college house. But so you graduate and you're, you move to the, the big city, yes. uh, New York. And what are you thinking about design at that time? Or what, what are you just thinking? I am not thinking about design. And interestingly, I'm thinking about fashion, which I think hindsight was not my calling. But I just it seemed exciting at the time. Living in New York, obviously, it's a fun thing to do. It's a, something a lot of my friends were doing. And I found a job at Ralph Lauren. And I was in the PR department and worked for Ralph for seven years. And really, to this day, I I think it just informed my eye, my ability to look at things as much as anything. Because I look at Ralph's style, and it's not my style, but his ability to see the details, see the big picture, create drama, create excitement in every single thing he did. And that was such an incredible lesson that I learned from him. Um, and... I was in the PR department. I was always a little thinking, should I move to the home collection department or even to go back to design school? Because I was starting to get the itch, I will say, after I'd been living in New York for a couple years to decorate. And I had a friend who worked for Albert Hadley. Kevin Sharkey was her boss who works for Martha Stewart now. Yeah. And she said to me, I'm leaving Albert 
and or Mr. Hadley, pardon me. You know that Albert Hadley was my neighbor. Oh, that's right. Which we can talk yes. about later. Yes, but, yes, I mean, yes. What yes. an incredible. Oh my God, I'm very jealous. I mean, I, very jealous. I was, you know, I, I quit smoking 15 years ago and they say that science tells you you can get lung cancer from smoking, but Albert Hadley was a chain smoker. Uh, yes. And he also, I don't know if it was whiskey or it was Scott, he drank brown water, you know, on, on the, on the regs and lived into his nineties. So I, you know. I, I, I always used him as a defense when I, I think was trying to continue to smoke longer that he was doing really well. But anyway, I, I, you know, went off track there for a second. So, so but the point is, is that he was an idol to all of us yeah. in the 1990s. I mean, he was just, he was it. And if I were going to go work for a designer, that's who I would want to have worked for. And at the time my friend said, well, my salary is $26,000 a year. And I, or sure, she, hers was maybe 24 and I had just gotten a big raise at Ralph Lauren to $26,000 a year. And I thought, well, I can't take a $2,000 yeah. pay cut. Yeah. There's no, no way. way, no way. Like I can't pay my rent. So anyway, it just cracks me up to this day to think over a $2,000, you know, pay slash that I made a decision that, you know, I really should stay at Ralph Lauren and continue my career here. And I think long-term, I'm happy I did because who knows what would happen if I'd gone and worked in interior design at a younger age, I may have burned out. I might not have liked it. I may not have had the life experience leading up to it that I was able to bring to it by the time I did start it as my second career. So everything happens for a reason. Well, it's not just, I mean, having worked with you, which I'm sure we'll get to later, but it's not just your eye that makes you so successful. It's it's how you handle the business piece of your interior design work. And I'm sure that working for Ralph Lauren, you know, is a pretty, I would assume that the management there would be pretty exacting and how they, Absolutely. and their expectations and Absolutely. all that. But with people that worked with you back then, I remember them sort of saying, now, did you do events for them too, about how you would, you would always, you would have most incredible Tablescapes, or you were oh, always absolutely. like designing the tables for the events, and kind we of worked with Robert Isabel to do big events for Ralph. We worked with the creative services team to do events just across the country for whatever Ralph was launching, whatever was going on. We worked with store development, so I was able to sort of scratch the creative itch, even though I was in the PR department. But after Ralph Lauren, I went and did events for a leverage buyout firm for Forsman Little. And I worked for Teddy Forsman for seven years. And that's where I really brought in teams of Robert Isabel. And I worked really closely together when I was at Teddy's office and just created these over-the-top events in Aspen and California and New York. And it was just heartbreaking to me to see them, after we'd worked on them for four months, to have them taken apart that night or the next morning. And it's like, this is over. We've worked so hard on this. And um, put so much creative energy into it. And that's when I really knew I needed to do something creative. I wanted there to be longevity. And that's when I said, I think I really need to go back to this interior design idea and think about it seriously as a, as a second career for me. So your thought in going into interior design versus maybe pursuing your own you know, events business, for example, was really kind of stemmed from the fact that you wanted to see your creative output kind of have a longer life. Shelf life. Yeah. Exactly. But also events are a lot of work. You know, it is just, 
it's relentless. There's so much work that goes into producing an event. So after uh, being at Forceman Little, I went and worked for Markham Roberts for several years. And when I was there, I couldn't believe the amount of work that went into decorating. I said, special events have nothing on this. The level of detail, the number of components that go into creating a successful project and the number of things that can also go, you know, wrong that you need to manage, that you have to fix, that you have to do this, you have to do that. So I was actually incredibly surprised at how much work it was, but I was also surprised at the same time at how much I really, really loved the work. I was hooked. I'm like, this is what I'm doing. Absolutely. So this how, did, is what I'm how doing. did that work? How did you come to find Markham or was it through friends, word, word of mouth, you heard that he was hiring and then you went in and said, listen, I had been working at Forceman Little, I've been working at Ralph Lauren and I have, you know, identified this passion and love that I have. And I have a strong background in being creative and putting things together. How did that start out? So I had known Markham for several years through a good friend in San Francisco, Nina Brown. And I just always, I loved him. He just was funny and creative and I loved his style. And it was long enough ago that decorating really wasn't a big career option. You know, there were the biggies, there were the Albert Hadleys, the Bunny Williams, the David Easton's, the, you know, the really big firms, but there weren't that many people running really professional design firms at the time. And it was the early 2000s. And so I just called Markham and said, I want to come work for you and I'll work for you. I'll do an internship for three months. I'll work for free and just get a feel of the business. And I went in, met him one day. He said, great, start on Monday. And the rest is kind of history. I showed up in my, I remember I had on a white Calvin Klein wool skirt, um, Manolo Blahnik boots that were about, you know, a two and a half inch heel, very practical heel (laughs) back in those days. And he immediately sends me down to Mrs. Asta's fireplace shop on First Avenue and 58th Street. And he's like, can you go down to the basement? I need you to find some andirons. I need a fireplace screen. So I'm digging through this dusty basement of Mrs. Asta's fireplace store. Is that still around? I never heard of it. Oh my gosh, she's fabulous. Mrs. Asta, we love her. Yes, I think think she's still around. She's moved from her location. But it was just, it was kind of the rude awakening on my first day. It was the first and last time I think I ever looked nice in the decorating business. I'm like, that's it. Oh, I see. Sorry, you got to be comfortable. White skirt. I was covered, covered in soot. You know, (laughs) feet were killing, and I still loved it. I'm like, this is what I want to do. I just need to be more comfortable because you've got to be running around all day. And it was also a time when we didn't have the internet. I mean, there was internet, but we weren't shopping online for anything. So I was really the shopper. So Markham sent me out every single day to 10th Street, 59th Street, Stanford, Connecticut. Oh, right. And there's 15th. no smartphone. So you're not taking pictures and emailing them back no, to him at the office. I'm or... taking pictures. I'm going to the one hour photo on Third Avenue, having them developed and bringing them back to Markham and saying, here are the, you know, five sets of Louis XVI style dining chairs you asked me to look for. And that was it. There were five. There were not 5,055, which now we see when we go online. It's just overwhelming. So there was something nice about it at the time. It was much more tangible. 
And so he, you start out sort of as this kind of um, like a buyer, if you will, or like a shopper, a shopper, shopper. shopper. Mm-hmm. And then how, you know, you're, you're watching him work, right? Yes. How, how do you progress sort of within that organization? I guess he's becoming to trust the things that you're selecting and your taste. And with that, you just be, begin to grow under his I did. I did. Well, one thing with Markham, Markham, he did a lot. He did most of the decorating himself. Like he really handled the decorating. But what my job was to bring him the tools that enabled him to do that. And I was always very proud of myself when I would come back and he would say, good shopping, good shopping. So that was, that was, (laughs) that was my big compliment, but it was true. It gave him the tools that he needed to put rooms together, to put houses together. And you know, just watching his process. He's really, he is a genius at what he does. He's so good. And so to be able to work under him for the amount of time that I did, I feel very lucky to have learned from him and really had him be my mentor. What would you say was your sort of the biggest lesson that you took away from your work from him or the thing that you are grateful to him for kind of teaching you? Is there one particular thing? I think there is actually. It's the process that the way that we approached decorating from the very, very beginning to creating a budget to putting schemes together for clients, um, presenting to them, ordering, following through, installing. Everyone would say to me when I started my own firm, they said, you're the most organized decorator we've ever worked with. And I worked with a lot of people who'd had a lot of decorators. And I said, that's what I learned from Markham. I didn't know any other way. It was just a system. And that is the way it was done. It was from the beginning. You know, these are the things we need to accomplish. This is how much it's going to cost. This is the lead time. And this is how we're going to get it done. And so that's the way I learned the business. And I feel very, very appreciative to him for having taught me that. And the people that work for me now, I feel happy because I can, you know, pass that on as well, that really the process of how to make it as seamless as humanly possible. It's never perfectly seamless, but and by the way, if it's not perfectly seamless, it's not your fault. Meaning either there are things about interior design, which I think people don't realize that there's so much that's out of the control yes. of the designer, that's right? True. That's true. But if there is anyone that's able to, I mean, you have the, the right brain, left brain thing going on um, just in such an incredible way. And, that, and maybe Markham taught you those things, but you also kind of, I'm sure, having the background you had from Ralph Lauren and Forsman exactly. Little had that kind of discipline to be organized. You had to be organized. Yes. You had to understand what you were doing. You had to understand a process and a timeline and all those things that, is that, exactly that, right. you, that you bring to your design work. So you decide to go out on your own when? How long had you worked for Markham before you I decided? worked for Markham for two years. Okay. And Markham did something with me that um, I don't do with anyone that works for me right now or, or did work for me is he said, you can work for me four days a week and one day a week you can have your own projects. And it was great and I loved it. But the problem is my projects kind of, they took over to a point that I couldn't do both and I couldn't do both well. So I certainly wasn't going to sacrifice my work at Markham Roberts for something that I'd committed to on on my end. And so that's when I had to tell Markham that I'm going to start my own business. And I was honestly, in a way... 
a little disappointed. You know, I was a little disappointed because I would have been very happy to stay kind of in the nest, if you will, for, right. a, for a little while longer. Um, but I was also 38 years old and, you know, kind of ready to do my own thing, be an entrepreneur. And people say, oh, were you scared? Were you nervous about starting your own business? I didn't think about it for two seconds. I had clients um, that were calling me to help them and do things. And my very first project that I did for actual friends in um, Southampton was published and it was on the cover of House Beautiful magazine. And it was really, really exciting. My absolute out of the box first thing that I, I think I might know who these clients are. I won't yeah, mention them, exactly. but I, but they, but very good clients, but they, I believe you worked with, mm-hmm. with, right. So someone who'd worked with you at Ralph Lauren and had seen you and You're I, exactly and right. I think that you're, you know, getting back to some of your superpowers beyond your eye. Um, and you just, your, your creative, um, uh, capacity is that, you know, people who have worked with other designers are like, Oh, wait a minute. There actually is someone who has both and can, put together a budget and can let you know where you're headed and can give you a rough timeline. So you having both of those, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised that people were banging down your door right out of the, no, it it was a good thing. And and yes, I really went off with a, with the bang. I mean, I was just immediately busy, busy and hiring. And I hired a bookkeeper, I'm going to say before I hired anyone else, because I realized again, that's one of the most important aspects of this business is the bookkeeping component is massive. And the billing and, oh and, and people All signing the proposals yes, yes, yes. for approval. There's a lot of bookkeeping that goes along with... Um, all the beauty, you know, a lot of logistics. So that was a very so important thing So you started thing for out me. with yourself mm-hmm. and then you added a bookkeeper. How soon thereafter? I would say pretty soon. But I probably had someone two days a week maybe that came in and helped me. And then I had an assistant within a couple months. And then how your business is just growing by word of mouth? Word of right, mouth. And, and really, we were very fortunate. Our projects were published. Right. A lot of projects were published. We had Now, how did that work? Seven. Is that you also having your, having worked in PR, were you able to reach out to contacts at different magazines? Or did people hear that you were doing such and such a house and wanted to see? How did that part work? I think one of the most important things, another important thing I learned from Markham was to have your work photographed and have it professionally photographed. So in the very, very beginning, I think I would just go and take some attractive snapshots of the house. And I sent them to Newell Turner, who was then the editor of House Beautiful, and he accepted our very first project. And then after that, I want to say that maybe we did scouting shots. I hired a photographer who came in and shot the house very quickly, but from a professional standpoint, so that an editor and their team could look at it and say, this is how the story could look in right, the magazine. I so I do think that's something that I always like to instill in very young designers, document your work. You know, you never walk away from anything without having documented it. And I think that's a big part with our getting press was things were documented. I was able to go to the magazines and say, you know, here, you're welcome to come back and shoot it. You're welcome to use the images that we have that are existing. And um, people just responded really well to it. And, And I think they were excited by our projects. And that's a lot of it. People would say, how do you get published? Well, 
you kind of have to have good work to start with. So I think that was, you know, a testimony to what we did is, is the projects were interesting and exciting and colorful and appealing. Good work. And as you said, being able to make it very easy for the editor at that magazine to see what it would look like if it was in their magazine. You're exactly right. Having a great photograph or having, giving them different parts of the house so they could see the layout and see how that works. You're exactly right. Um, So how many projects would you take on at a time when you were, I mean, I guess as you progressed and you hired more people and your staff, did you find there was an inflection point there? There was, you you know, I always said, and I never, it's funny, you don't really, it's so hard to count because you're something starting, something's in the middle of installation, something's finished, something's being photographed, one project you're kind of nurturing to get the project. I always said about five, you know, we kind of had five real things going on at a time. And then... On top of that, we had the new projects that were coming in that we weren't quite working on yet. We had things we were finishing. We had someone is having a baby and we need to redo the nursery or add a nursery or someone's building a pool and wants a pool house. Or So there were always those kind of, um, you know, outward spokes of the wheel of things that we were working on as well as the projects in which we were completely involved in day to day. So five projects, six, seven-ish, and then all the additional things that were coming at us all the time. You know, the Roman shade that was broken and someone's guest bedroom and getting somewhere to fix that. You know, all those, yeah. the, the glamorous part, all really. All the glamorous part. All the glamour. But I, I bet when you were starting out, you would just do the nursery or you would yes. just do the family room. But then as you got, you know, you only have those five projects. You're trying to allocate people in your office. You're trying to figure out what you want to do. And then if you're looking at it from you know, what's next or the output of it, you know, and publishing it, let's say you can't just do, you know, the dining room for someone you want to do the whole, you know, as much of the whole house, right. As you can. And at what point did you sort of decide that you were going to take on, or you would only take on projects that were, I would say even larger, even from the very beginning, I really, I can't really think of an example of a time where we took on just a room. I I never did that. And I think I had a way of explaining to people that there's houses need connection and they need flow. And it's really hard to just come in and do two thirds of the house and the rest of it sort of leave it as is or let somebody else do it. You really need your hand in everything if you want a cohesive, beautiful kind of it just creates a good energy in the house to have one person's hand sort of lead you through, I think. And I, and I always call it the decorative thread. You know, I'm thinking about what's going on in the entrance hall. What's the color palette there? And how can I expand on that in the living room that follows that? And then what can I pull from that room into the dining room that makes it feel different? But there's a connection between the two rooms. And then we move into the kitchen and then to the family room. So there's this decorative thread that connects a house. And that's where I think so often a decorator is really important. And having one decorator who really can see the whole picture from the very beginning and really implement that and create that, you know, beauty, that story, beauty, the yeah. story and the, and the energy and, and people walk into our projects often and they say, wow, you use so much pattern and so much color And this house feels so calming to me. There's something about it. And I don't think they realize all the work that goes in behind the scenes of 
how these rooms are connecting with each other. You know, you're not just walking into a aubergine lacquer living room Which and is then my living room <laughs> exactly <laughs> good example um and then into a bright green this and it, it's everything's connected yeah. there's a flow and i think that's incredibly important in design and decorating so you've had projects all over the u.s we have do you have a a favorite or one that you look back at how creative it was or sort of how out of the box it was for you or just because just everything came together. You love the architecture of the house. You love the the colors that you were selecting. Is there any one that stands out? I have two. You know, I think it's funny. Everyone sort of loves their most recent project and that's probably the case in, in these two instances. But we just, um, AD Italy just published a house that we did in Coconut Grove about two years ago. And it was so much fun. I worked with amazing clients. It was a 1920s Spanish revival house um, in this funky neighborhood in Miami. And we really took it almost down to the studs and recreated a kind of 1920s house because wow. it had been it had been over renovated and it had that sort of Miami vice feeling. Yeah. And we really wanted to have it feel ni- much more 1920s Mediterranean. No crockett tubs, more of a... Ex- yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so I always say a little more Palm Beach than, than yeah. South Beach is, is, was the direction that we were given. But the client had a wonderful art collection. They weren't afraid of anything. We used a ton of color. Um, it's just a happy, happy project and I absolutely love it. And it's a little bit of a departure for us. And that's always a fun thing too. And then previous to that, we had just finished a house in, um, Palm Desert in California and talk about a departure. I mean, it was just a big white, again, I guess sort of Spanish style house, plaster walls and, we just had a lot of fun with color and art and letting the desert really be the star in a way, just because the views are so insane. So two kind of fun out of the box projects that we did almost most recently are two of my favorites. And then that, that Heaney house up in Millbrook will wow. always be. I mean, I mean, that's what I was going to say to you. No, no, please don't feel pressure because I'm sitting here. <laughs> I, um, but you know, it's a favorite. It's no, a perennial favorite. I it's, to me, though, I think it's, and we've talked about this and about how, you know, I, I really believe that when you hire someone um, to help design your house, you really, you're hiring that person, right? Because you want, you want to collaborate with that person, but you want that person's voice, right? Yes. You want, they're, they're bringing their expertise to the table. And I've always asked you, what do you do? And clearly they probably don't end up in magazines. I don't know, because I did just sort of, you know, whatever you suggest. And we had, we had some back and forth on colors. I remember. We did. Yes. But you were open. I remember yeah. I came in with that aubergine living room and I said, there is a snowball's chance in hell that they are going to say yes to this. Yeah. There's no way. And both you and Andrew were like, great. We love it. And I'm like, done. And I just knew from that moment on we were going to have a lot of fun. But that's the other part you know, I think in being an interior designer is not only are you, you know, tasked with creating this incredible, these incredible spaces, but you're also sort of kind of also marriage counselor and And sell it. You've got to sell the idea. That's really, I think if you have a husband who wants to keep his, you know, 
favorite lazy boy or I, I don't know if it's going to mallard boy, duck collection yeah, yes like no that there's always the, that i deal with that in my own house trust me there was a lot of artwork i don't even know if i showed it to you that andrew kind of had purchased in college during this you know a lot of paris visits oh boy um i don't want to get into it but um it took me a lot of time and negotiating to get them out of of prior apartments and houses so you know i can only imagine when you but you do have those clients i know that you do um, they may even be people that you, you know, Ashley would occasionally ask me to interview people or, you know, be a reference. Oh, that's people. right. You did that. You were and I did. And sometimes I would call you and say, I would not hire, you know, work with this person. Really? I thought they were really, no, I would not. And you usually didn't listen to me. And I would say that a I lot of the times I was correct. I didn't listen to you. Yeah. But you know what I always say to Leslie, this is not an easy business. Yeah. You know, we have I guess to that's deal. true. That's not everyone what, is as easy as I am. Not everyone's as saying. easy as you are. And every project has their challenges. So we have to be kind of up for that. We don't know exactly what the challenges are going to be from the get-go. But they're going to be challenges. Yeah. And you have to be prepared for that and a professional and ready to pivot when you need to and ready to sell them on a different idea when you need to, um, you know, so they can take many, many different directions as we. Yeah. Well, you are, I mean, you're a, a real pro and a trooper because I, you know, you're like, oh no, I, I, I've got this. I'm like, okay. Best of luck. I'll catch you on the other side. Not that you'd ever tell me anyway, because you're always so professional. And always, oh, stop. Um, it's true. But I, you know, that is, that. there's always to me that, that rub or that tension between, you know, you, you have your vision, right, for the space. And then you have a, a client that might want a certain color or picked out a fabric or, you know, spent the weekend going antiquing and found something that's terribly ugly or whatever. And you have to figure out how to navigate that. We have to navigate it. And oftentimes it's incorporating it. And that can be refinishing it. It can be chalky whiting it. It can be bleaching it. It can be reupholstering it. I The cabinet in your dining room, right? the bonnet top cabinet that I loved, um, I remember we put this Indian block print in the back of it. Yes. And we, again, again, staple gun. I'm yes. great with a staple gun, staple gun, I realized. You also wanted to paint the chairs, my dining room chairs, oh, right. white. I had to explain that those were... <laughs> Kind of hand-me-downs, okay? Exactly. Heirlooms. And that we, Heirlooms. <laughs> they were not going to be painted. Okay. And we couldn't paint them, although they would have um, looked a lot but better. But sometimes you just have to give things new life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a fun, and, and that's the fun part of our job. And when it's just that horrible, you just say, that's going to storage. Or the husband's office is a great place yes. for all those things. You want the husband always to have an office to say, okay, here's where your mallard duck collection can go and your deer heads and whatnot. Which is, I think, what you've done in your own home, exactly. which we should talk about. <laughs> oh, Ashley no. has built this beautiful house in Millbrook with her wonderful husband, Andrew, and she has two terrific stepdaughters and her, her young son, Andrew. And your Andrew has an office. He has sort of like a secret man cave as well in yes. the basement. And I think that's where he gets to put Express his animal himself. heads and exactly. all of his stuff. He's quite a sportsman. Yes. And... I do think it is so funny. I laugh every single time someone comes to our house for, we'll have a dinner party or a cocktail party and I'll work for, you know, days making the house pretty and the flowers and the catering and, you know, making it all perfect. And the thank you notes come in the next day and everyone says, "What? wow, what a nice party. Boy, that hunting room is something else. <laughs> 
it never. <laughs> we laugh every single time. Well, it doesn't matter. It's Gil Schaefer's favorite part of our house is Big Andrew's hunting room. Well, I, I mean, I, and I, Bunny Williams too. Just so you know, I don't know if I've if I it's been magnified oh. in my mind, but I think oh, there's God. like a lock. Like, a, is there oh, like a, there's yes. a keypad? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 We don't need. Um, I know. I'm not going to go into all all the details. I mean, it's appropriate. I don't mean to suggest <laughs> yes. that it's a man cave. It's more as a of a hunter bent. Exactly. A, exactly. Not a, Safety first. Not Safety an adult. First. Not an adult sort right. of a, a bent, more of a hunter right. hunter bent. Um, so, you know, you build this beautiful house there in, in Millbrook. Now, what what was it like for you? Because I know you've done so many projects with clients, you know, where they're building houses and we're building pool houses. What was it like to be on the other side of that as a the client to your builder or someone who's actually building your house for yourself? Well, first of all, it was, it was a full-time job, you know? So I had one person in my office dedicated completely to my house because it was just, it was just another project in the, you know, scheme of things that we had going on. So it was like taking on another project. Um, I loved the process. We, had challenges. Our builder went out of business two thirds of the way through the project. And you so, paid for the windows. Oh, I remember we lost, and didn't deliver them. Uh, yes. Oh terrible. my gosh. And my husband stayed very calm and collected through the whole thing. Um, but we bought property in 2000, April, 2016, and we moved in April, 2018. So to buy property, design a house, build a house, have the builder go out of business in the meantime, regroup, reorder, and still move in two years later. It was like a land speed record, a land speed record. And my husband the whole time going, we are behind schedule. I'm like, dear, you don't even know what a schedule is. This is extreme home makeover. makeover. (laughs) Um, But he was, he was great through the process. I will say he has an opinion about what he wants our house to look like. And you know, that was a little bit of a challenge for me, I think, in the beginning. But I think the result of our house is actually better for that. It's so appropriate to Millbrook. It's so right for our family. Feels like Andrew. Feels like me. Um, it's just, I, I truly, I adore our house. I love every single thing about it. Well, I do too. And I'm sure, I mean, people can see your house in, in your book. Yes, they can. Um, but that's a really important point, right? When you're creating spaces for clients understanding how they live, right? Or how, you know, and and I'm, I know that's part of your process and then trying to make sure that both husband and wife are happy and the the kids like their bedrooms and the flow works for their family. And in our case, now we have four dogs. We had two dogs when, um, you worked with us. Yes. Two additional ones are a recent mistake that we made, um, (laughs) at a breeder. We'll take them both (laughs) to the breeder, which I'm still, I mean, I, we could go on and on about, but anyway, having those kind of considerations, pets, kids, I mean, those are all things that you listen to your we clients navigate. about. And, and exactly. And, and I think to... the husband is kind of a big, a big component because a lot of time the wife comes in and they know how they want the house. And I mean, this even applies to myself. So what we really know is important is listening to what the husband has to say, because so often the wife is saying, no, 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 he doesn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't get it. Well, let's hear it yeah, and let's see how we can incorporate it and make it work for everybody. And so often those are sometimes the best results when it's not the absolute first thing that you thought about out of the box. It's, you know, been kind of, um, 
streamlined and um, everyone's had their input and then we can come up with a final plan. But I think when everyone feels heard, they feel a lot more excited about the process and more excited about the result. Well, I remember um, with our house, we for our living room, you and I had selected a sisal rug and Andrew was like, what, shouldn't we get something that you can, you know, things can be spilled on? And I said, listen, we've, we have a budget and this is, this is going to look great. It's all great. And, um, our Irish wolfhound had somehow got into the living room, had some distress, some yes. gastrointestinal distress. And I, I mean, it's it, anyway, I remember calling you, um, and saying we need to get a new rug and it, I liked it to be something that someone could be shot at point blank range bleed out <laughs> we can still have it cleaned and you know it would and have be, a cocktail party the next night yes. and no one would know the difference yes and i think for tips for listeners any kind of animal print yeah that antelope that we oh, have in our libra- library bulletproof. which we've, we've spilled maybe you know at this point bottles of red wine on yeah. is a is a good um but you make those compromises right within the budget and you look to see and sometimes your husbands are right, which I know. And then we ended case, up, we did replace was. those rugs yes. in the living room at, with beautiful rugs that actually ended up not being wildly expensive and super durable. They're very durable. I know. They're very durable. So you have this incredible body of work. And how did the book come about? Were you, was it something that you were thinking about? Were you approached about doing it? The well, um, the well loved house. home. I, um, Maybe a little bit of both. I ha- I was thinking we have enough projects under our belt that I could be ready to publish a book. And uh, there's a wonderful woman, uh, Jill Cohen, who I'd known well, and she'd done tons and tons of design books with Rizzoli. And um, I called her and I said, I just want to talk to you about the idea of doing a book. And What, what said, year is this, by the way? Oh, God, this is pre-COVID. So this is... 2019, I think. And I had had so much of my work professionally photographed and that helped immensely in going, like you were just saying, going to the editors and saying, we're going to make this easy for you. Here's what the house looks like. It was kind of the same thing. I'd had so many projects photographed that we were able to go to Rizzoli and say, here's the concept for the book. Here are 60% of the images for the book. And they signed on immediately, done. And we were off to the races. And it was finishing shooting projects. Um, I think there are nine projects in the book, five of which had been photographed already. And then four had to be finished and photographed. And all of that took place during COVID. So that was interesting. So we must have been shooting 2020 and maybe a little bit of 2021. And then the book launched September 2021. I okay. Think. So it was just the very tail end of COVID, but we went through a lot, you know, getting, getting homeowners to say, okay, you can come in with a team of photographers and assistants and oh, so you were doing people. those shoots during, during COVID. Yep. COVID big time. I mean, people were wearing masks and you know, it, there was all sorts of craziness going on on top of the standard craziness that goes on anyway with it. And then did Rizzoli help you with the rollout of the book and the marketing of the book? Or did you do that? I had a woman, Elizabeth Blitzer, who another great friend of mine who I'd known forever. And I always talked to her. I said, when I do a book, I want you to do the PR for me. And she did. She did a wonderful job. And she organized the book tour, which okay. that is, I mean, that takes I a remember lot you were at, I mean, I wasn't even on oh Instagram at the time to be following you, yeah. but I know that Andrew would comment just, oh, Ashley's 
you know, in Topeka, Kansas, wherever you are. I mean, (laughs) how many cities did you go to? A A lot. lot. 30. I'm just guessing. And, um, and Rizzoli, they don't say you, you need to do this. You just kind of know for yourself, if you want it to be successful, you need to promote it. Otherwise it's, it's a tree falling in the woods. And, and it was fun. Um, it took a lot of energy. I will say it was a very not challenging time, just tiring time for me. I was traveling for the book. I was coming into the city to work in my decorating office. And then I was traveling for clients that were outside of New York, which was a, a large percentage of them. So combined and living in Millbrook. So combining those three things and trying to do them all well, um, really, I think took its toll on me. Is that, and, I, and for listeners that don't know that, I mean, I feel like there's a be you know screams through, through you know all, all around the universe when 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 the you made the announcement that you're stepping back from decorating. Although I sort of hope this is like a Tom Brady thing. Well, you'll be back uh, no. in a couple of years, um, but um, after taking a, a break. But you seem pretty you're you know resolute that you're gonna you know you've you've made this pivot. But would, do you think that it was that combination of of circumstances, the book? all the other projects, you being a mom to a young, yes. young boy, yeah. you living in Millbrook, all these factors that led you to say that maybe this is time it for just, you to step it, back. It kind of was the perfect storm, I think. And I think a lot of it is living in Millbrook and then trying to travel from Millbrook. It's not easy, you know, to get to JFK. Yeah. You know, it's not a hop, skip and a jump. So there's that component of it. But I think it just... I just really became a tired and B the reality is I love Millbrook. That's where I want to be. I've created this incredible house, love my family, love my friends, love my community, love every single thing about it. And I'm like, why am I schlepping the city three days a week to work? And then on top of that, traveling to Dallas and traveling to Miami and traveling to Palm Springs and when I have every single thing that I want at my doorstep, like at, at home for me. And that's, and that's what I really strive to create for other people is I want to create this beautiful home where they want to be home. live and have their life and they want to be home. And I wasn't taking advantage of that. And that's when I said, I need to rethink this. And in the back, back of my mind, I think for a very long time, I've always said, I can always sell real estate. You know, that's my mother's done it for 44 years. My grandmother sold real estate in Greenwich back in the 1960s, 60s and 70s. So it's in my blood. And I just said to my husband one day, I, had, I hadn't articulated it because it was just something kind of just simmering in me that just I just kind of knew. You, yeah. I just knew I could do it. No big deal. I could pivot but, but, whenever but I wanted to. But had you decided to step back from decorating before you decided to, because when, when you had told me about your decision, you had told me that you were, what your next step was, but had you come to the conclusion that you're going to back, sort of back yes. away from decorating, yes. didn't necessarily know what the next step no, was. No, I knew. Be. I knew it was real estate. Okay. I knew it was real estate. I said, I'm going to step away from decorating. I'm going to get my real estate license simultaneously while I'm still working and running my office. I waited until I passed my real estate exam until I told Alexander Wilson, who is my studio yes. director, who's the first person I told. And I his apartment had just been photographed for Frederick Magazine the day before 
And I waited until the next morning and I called him and I said, I want you to know, you know, what is going on moving forward that I'm going to close Ashley Whitaker Design. I'm hoping you'll start your own firm and that you will take care of our clients who've been so great to us and they can become your clients. And then also anyone else who's ever approaches me about decorating, I say, call Alex Wilson. He's so talented. He's so organized and just a pleasure to be around and, and work with. And, um, he's really, well, he's learned, his stripes. learned the, the knee of, of the best. So I, I have to call Alex the next time there's a dog. Yeah, that yes. Has a, you have to call Alex some sort of biohazard <laughs> emergency exactly. in my house. Um, so how is it going? You, you, you made the call six months ago. When, when I'd was say it six public? months ago, you and I had lunch with Susie and Kelly and you girls, I feel like you girls were the first I told her, maybe I told you and Andrew at lunch. Um, no, was, we were having lunch with Susie and Kelly. Yeah. yeah. And I think I said, I'm closing my decorating office and, um, which I sort of thought I'd have some kind of special dispensation. I'm like, that's for other people, right? Like not, not me or, you know, I'm sure other favorites. You and every other client. That's the funny thing. It's so cute. They're like, People are really, um, some clients are not, I don't, I don't want to say not happy, but they're like, you can't leave me. You know, they're not in the middle of a project, but they might be building another house yeah. or renovating a different apartment in New York or whatever. And they kind of can't believe that I'm really shutting it down. I have a couple more projects that I'm finishing um, that I've committed to, and we're going to finish really strong and complete those. And then my my physical office is closing in April. And I've really started my real estate business. I'm with Compass in Millbrook with Candy Anderson and Byron. And having a ball, honestly, I kind of love it. You know, amazing. I really love it. The market's not on fire. You know, there's, there's really not that much to sell, to be honest, right now. It's a tricky time of year. I think it's a tricky market. But once spring rolls around and things come on the market, um, I have buyers that are dying to find houses. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm super excited about it. I've had a lot of fun so far. Well, there's some satisfaction. I know there's, there's great satisfaction, right, when you're designing a house and you get to see. You get to see I remember you coming over to our house. Um, I think it was the first Christmas that we had, you had finished doing the, the, our house and read Christmas decorations. And you said something like, this is making me so happy to see you living in your house with your Christmas tree up and all that. So you're going to get the same different, but the same sort of, I think, satisfaction of seeing your real estate clients enjoying their homes and being in their houses and finding that match. Exactly. Finding um, the right thing for them. And, and the other thing that I can bring to the table is you know, maybe you need to open up the family room to the kitchen. And this can be done so easily by putting a case opening here or there. There's so many kind of easy fixes that I can think of that maybe a buyer wouldn't come in and think of right away. They'd say, I don't like this house. I don't, I don't like this. I'm like, let's paint the beams white. Right. Let's, you know, put some V-groove paneling in and the living Alex room. And here's Alex Wilson's business card. Exactly. Yes. I'm just not going to be the one to do it yes. for you, but I will certainly give you the ideas and tell you this house could be fabulous if you're willing to put X into it, which I can ballpark pretty easily. This house will be divine. Yeah. I'm so, sure you can fluff. You probably move some furniture around for people. You know, exactly. I know that you're you're not letting that, that I go to die. As that's say. true. You're, you're bringing <laughs> that, true. bringing that. <laughs> 
to bear. That but is what true. about all of your followers? I mean, now I guess we're all going to be looking at your your real estate, real estate. pictures. I know. Um, you know what was so amazing to me is when I did make the announcement, the kind of outpouring of support. I know. I was shocked. Oh, of support. I mean, yes. of course, people well, wouldn't and be. People were upset or people were sad about it. But people were just interested or supportive or had something to say about it. And I thought it would be, you know, like just kind of a blip on the radar screen. And I think it was sort of a big deal within the industry because I am leaving at kind of the top of my game. And I think there are a lot of people in this industry that they say, hmm, this is kind of interesting and this is a challenging business and maybe I, there's some things I should rethink yes. as well. So I think it sent a shockwave that way in everyone kind of reevaluating their lives. Well, that's what I was going to say. It is so, and, and by the way, I love that about the timing of your decision. You know, you are um, at the top of your game. You've had a top game for some time, but you are you know, this is really a decision that you've made consciously for your, for your, what we were saying before when I was eating my kind bar before we started something like I'm doing stuff for, for me or something exactly. like that. Exactly. I'm actually, I'm renovating a house in, um, Watch Hill for myself yes. right now. And it, that's really fun, you know, and I, 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 I love my house and I want to take care of my house and my family and, um, really not have to worry about everybody's house. Well, I'm yeah. very excited. Unless it's a new house that they want to buy. That's another story. We, well, yeah, we can. Well, I'm again, I'm looking at you like I'm hoping that I'll be the one exception or that you'll be the Tom Brady of interior design, which I, I don't and come back. It's not in two sounding years. promising. But um, but it is so thrilling and wonderful to see you so excited about this next chapter. And I know there will no be no better real estate agent around because everything you do, you do so well and you bring such a special element to it and you're going to find great, great houses for all of your clients. And, um, you know, we'll miss you in the interior design world, but, um, very excited for what's next. I'm excited too. Thank you. Ashley, thank you for taking the Orient Express down here today. Oh, it's been such so a luxurious. Um, I wish I was riding the rails back with you, but I have to we should have coordinated. I know. I know. I know. Next time. Okay. Carpool. Next time. Anyway. Anyway, this was a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you, you, Leslie. Thank you, my friend. That brings us to the end of this episode of the interview. A huge thank you again to Ashley for joining us. And as always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at The Interview with Leslie Heaney. A new podcast is released every Wednesday. So until then, this is Leslie, and please don't forget to join the interview.